0: Hey, what's up, guys? It is Clay, and today I want to talk about boundaries. I've had a few people ask me about this lately, and it's been a, a massive topic in my own life for the, maybe the last couple years. It's something that I've really worked on. And how am I using that word? What do I mean when I say boundaries? Boundaries are basically like personal standards that you set up on how you would like to be treated, they're sort of like a company policy, but for yourself, like a personal policy. This is what is acceptable to me. This is what is not acceptable. And the key is to have these clear lines. So when somebody crosses the line, you can easily know and you can recognize that. So I think there's a lot of people out there that don't even realize they have poor boundaries, especially if you're used to being with toxic people, like narcissistic people, you probably will have had a hard time saying no. And that's really what boundaries are. It's saying no, that right there is not acceptable behavior. Um, That's below my standards, I accept this. And actually communicating that and letting them know so that they hopefully won't do that in the future. So what does it feel like when you have poor boundaries and you are being taken advantage of? you probably just feel bad. Like it's just this, you have this feeling inside and you feel bad, you might feel taken advantage of, you might feel confused, like what is this person? I'm giving a lot to them, but I don't feel like I'm getting anything back. You know, if it's extreme enough, like with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder who just love to walk all over people and take whatever they can get, you might just have this low level anxiety all the time. You're gonna be in this adrenalized state You can't really figure out why. All you know is you feel bad. You almost feel guilty telling these people no. And I think that's one of the keys to knowing if you're in a narcissistic abuse situation is narcissists kind of train people to be scared to say no. Because if you say no to a narcissist, they usually can get pretty upset and get angry. And actually that's one of the tests of narcissism. According to Richard Grennan, he's got this thing There's a few different people I listen to about uh, narcissists, but Richard Grannon has this thing, it's called the Smiling No Test, I believe, and um, basically, a normal person, you should be able to say a respectable no to. If they ask you to do something and it doesn't align with your goals, wishes, or your time right now, you can say no, and if they freak out, that's usually a bad sign. So I'm gonna slant this video a little bit towards the INFJ personality. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I think boundaries basically, everybody needs them. Every personality, every type of person really needs boundaries. Certain types of people struggle with it more though, definitely. Certain types of people seem to have a natural knack at making boundaries. They don't get taken advantage of like other people do. Um, So I happen to be INFJ. Um, which is one of the 16 types Corinda Myers-Briggs. Some people agree with that system, some people don't, um, but I've found some value in it. So the reason I decided to make this video from more of an INFJ perspective is I think we have a couple qualities about us that kind of make us extra susceptible to having poor boundaries, and I'll explain why here. So I have covered a little bit about what I'm going to talk about here in other videos that I've done, um, but it's all relevant to boundaries as well. So I'm just gonna quickly go over it. So every personality seems to have different strengths and weaknesses. And those can kind of be described in these cognitive functions. So the top two functions of the INFJ, which is sort of our dominant function. So the first one is the dominant function. Uh, The second one is also very strong. So it's introverted intuition is our dominant. The second one is extroverted feeling. So introverted intuition is all about kind of decoding information. It's almost like putting together a puzzle. You take all this data in, and you can kind of like, it might take a while, but eventually it all clicks and you can kind of make sense of things. Um, It's really good at looking for paths through and finding goals and deciding what you really want to do. So the second thing is the extroverted feeling and that basically is about reading other people's emotions and feelings. So say you're hanging out with your friend, you can kind of tell there's something wrong with them and you can kind of like read between the lines and almost figure it out and the the extroverted feeling and the introverted intuition kind of work together to sort of decode people. And that's why, you know, a lot of times uh, INFJs might end up as good counselors. Uh, You know, INFJs can do lots of different jobs. It's sort of one of the cliche jobs that people talk about with INFJs, although INFJs, I think, are good at lots of things. Um, That's one of them because they happen to be good at reading people. But, you know, you can use um, those same skills in other jobs as well. But basically, the introverted intuition is there to almost act as a check towards the extroverted feeling. Because if you let the extroverted feeling kind of just go wild, let's say you remove the introverted intuition there, basically it can read other people's emotions, and it, it's almost like we get uncomfortable when other people aren't doing well, and we want to help them. Or let's say this person we know they really need something, um, and you kind of kind of your empathy kind of kicks in, and you want to help them, or let's say they just straight out ask, let's say they're trying to get something out of you, the extroverted feeling just sort of becomes a people pleaser function if it's left there by itself. The introverted intuition almost acts as a bit of a check and balance towards the extroverted feeling. So. The introverted intuition basically can decode things and see people that are manipulating you. Um, they can sort of figure things out. They can kind of see be- behaviors and see things that maybe aren't healthy that other people are doing to you. Um, introverted intuition is also really good at sort of picking up patterns and seeing through the pattern to basically predict the future. So if somebody is you know been doing something really repetitive to you that's not healthy, you're going to pick up on that if you have strong introverted intuition. Healthy introverted intuition can recognize abuse. But if the introverted intuition isn't trusted, then you're basically wide open for abuse because you're not trusting yourself. You might, you know, your subconscious might tell you, you know, this isn't healthy. I don't know if this is such a good thing this person is doing to me. And then you just get tricked right back into it. Manipulation can really trick you if your introverted intuition is weak. So how do you end up with weak introverted intuition as an INFJ? So Scott Morgan on YouTube, he talks about INFJs quite a bit. I got this from him. Basically, why might you have weak introverted intuition? Basically, maybe it was never developed in you or it was you were never reassured as a child or a young person that what you were thinking was actually sane. And um, so you could actually grow up thinking things or you having these you know, subconscious thoughts or feelings that you know this isn't right, but everybody else says it's fine, everybody else is doing it, so it's something like you don't trust it. If you grow up in a situation where nobody is mirroring back healthy introverted intuition, you might get to a point where you just don't even trust it. If that happens, your extroverted feeling is the next function, kind of kind of just take over, and then you end up a people pleaser. So here's the problem. If you don't have boundaries, somebody can just take too much of you to the point where they just take all of your energy. As an INFJ, you need to keep some energy for yourself for self-care. I think we're susceptible to just giving everything away to the people around us, and then we're just depleted in a corner uh, you know, one day and just completely spent, and we're like, what's wrong with us? It's because we're giving too much away. We have to keep something for ourselves. So that's where boundaries come in. Basically, you have to conserve some of your energy for your own work, for your own self-care. You need to conserve some space and time to be alone, I think you need to uh, save some space to be creative, to work towards your goals. Um, I think all these things are important. And making that time and space to do those things requires saying no to other stuff. If you say yes to everything, you're just not gonna have any time. You're just gonna be constantly bombarded with doing other people's stuff. And so here's an example. In the past, um, I've done quite a bit of video production and photography, and people used to ask me all the time to make videos for them, like friends or you know acquaintances or like nonprofits. And I'd always sort of have this feeling like, oh, I really should help these people. It's a good cause, or you know, I just I would feel bad saying no. And then in the end, I have all this work of my own, but yet here I am doing other people's work before my own. And I think there should be some time set out to help other people to do stuff for the things you care about. Like, let's say there's a certain nonprofit that you like or, you know, helping people less fortunate. I really do think that you should set aside some time for that. But if it gets to the point where it's basically too much or it's taking away all your time or now you don't have time for your own work. That is a problem and that is a good sign that you need some boundaries because if you don't get a hold of that, you're going to end up resenting these people for one. You're going to start feeling bad about yourself. You're going to get anxious. You're going to get depressed. Like if you're not leaving time for self-care, all of a sudden one day you're just going to be like going to a depressive state and you might you know have some major depressive episode because you just got nothing left. And in, you know, in worst cases, like let's say you're dealing with somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder, they'll take and take and take until you are just completely depleted. So the interesting thing about INFJs when they give too much and they sort of end up in this anxious, depressed state is I really do think, well, at least in my case, you know, I am not a doctor and I am not a psychologist even, so I cannot say this for certain, but I, I suspect that a lot of people's depression, especially if they're INFJ or other personalities that maybe have the same problem, you might experience you know, anxious thoughts, depression. You know, it could get even so bad that you, know, you could be experiencing suicidal tendencies. I suspect that oftentimes, at least with myself, this is almost like situational stuff. It's not a chemical thing in my brain. Um, because I've actually been tested at various times in my life, my, you know, my neurotransmitter levels to see what is going on, like, and it's fine. So my, you know, my serotonin and dopamine production is fine, yet I'm still experiencing, um, you know, depression. I think a lot of it comes back to this stuff. I think that you can almost induce a depressed state in yourself with poor boundaries and being with toxic people. Toxic people will deplete you almost like a virus. And if you can get out of that situation, all of a sudden you start to feel better. So boundaries is a really good place to start. And so let's talk about it more here. So I've been reading a lot the last couple of weeks about boundaries, kind of preparing to make this. So there's a few people that I've kind of um, watched a lot, you know, Melanie Tonya Evans, she does a lot of videos on narcissists. You know, Richard Grannon, I really like him for narcissism. Um, And uh, like I already said, Scott Morgan, I was watching some of his INFJ videos on boundaries. So I just wanted to mention, first of all, sort of my sources for some of this stuff. And then a lot of it is just my own experience as well. So number one, the first step to making good boundaries is to first give yourself the permission to even have standards, to realize it's okay to have standards that you need to uphold. That is not okay. You have to first get the confidence that it is okay to have boundaries. And that is something that I've struggled with in the past. It's something that I've gotten better at lately, but in the past it was almost like, I would almost think that having boundaries was almost like being mean to somebody, like saying no was mean. I I didn't wanna say no, because then that person will feel bad, and then I think they're not gonna like me. I want that person to like me, so I say yes. I think it's just a big lie. You wanna be a strong person. You need to have standards. You don't want people taking advantage of you. This is all really important. So the first step is, yes, you need to admit that it's okay to have standards. It's okay to enforce those standards if somebody does cross the line. Healthy people will be okay with you saying no, Toxic people might not be, but to be honest, it's kind of a good way to recognize whether somebody is toxic in your life. So the second step to having good boundaries is to actually make your standards, draw your lines in the sand. And so this is actually a hard step because I think a lot of people, if you ask them, couldn't tell you what their standards are. They couldn't even say, no, this is what I will accept. This is what I will not accept. This, this is the type of behavior I will be okay with, and this is the kind of behavior that, you know, if you do that, I'm gonna make it clear that I'm not okay with that. A lot of people can't even name that. And one way that you could think of this to make it easier is to think of it sort of like a company policy. So if you buy something from a store and it has a 30-day return policy, and you show up, you know, 60 days later and say, I wanna return this, they're gonna say no, because they have a 30-day return policy, they stated it up front, You know, they communicated that upfront, so you can't really claim, oh, I didn't know. Um, You had a period of time to return it, and it was your choice to go outside that window and try to return it later. So a good company policy, kind of like almost, it's like the policy takes the blame, not necessarily the person that is telling you the policy. And that's how you can look at it for yourself as well. You can make a boundary, it's almost like a policy. It's like, sorry, this is like a blanket policy and it's applicable to everybody, not just you. And so in that way, it's not really considered uh, disrespectful to one person. Because if you say to somebody, well, I let everybody else do this, but I'm not letting you do this, then maybe that could come across disrespectful. So a good boundary is basically just a clear line in the sand that you don't want crossed by anybody. And so it's not personal to a specific person, generally speaking. So the third step to creating good boundaries is to actually communicate them. And to be honest, this is probably the hardest step. If you're the type of person that's not used to saying no, this is gonna be uncomfortable for you because you have to be assertive in order to communicate a boundary. You have to actually state something in a clear way, this is what is acceptable to me. Here's the thing, and I got this from Scott Morgan, I believe as well. It's possible to be assertive without being aggressive. And a lot of people almost confuse those two things because a lot of times people use aggression in order to be assertive. It's assumed that being assertive is aggressive. It's just not true. Uh, You can be assertive in a respectful way, state your intentions, state your boundaries, and it doesn't have to be aggressive or angry. So I think a great way to be assertive without being aggressive is to almost thank the person for thinking of you. So let me do an example here to kind of sort this out. Let's say somebody says, can you come over and you know help me out and shoot this video for me. I really need a new video for my business like a new marketing video. I'm just, it would really help me out. So the first step is to realize I have a boundary and that is I'm not doing free work for people that's, that are like huge jobs like that. Like I'm not gonna do 10 to 20 hours worth of work for free. And sort of that is my standard that I've set up for myself. I'm not gonna do it <laughs> unless it's paid because it's just too much work. So I know that's my boundary. Here's this person trying to cross my boundary. So what am I gonna do? If you're an INFJ people pleaser with weak introverted intuition and you're just all people pleaser mode, it's gonna be really hard to say no and I think this is where a lot of people, they kind of make up some stupid excuse, like, oh, I'm just, I'm too busy today, or I'm I'm working on this and I just can't, otherwise I'd love to. You should say something more assertive that is not just because you're busy. So here's a trick I use. The first thing I do is I will thank them for thinking of me. So it almost shows some gratitude. And this kind of removes the connection between being assertive and being aggressive right off the bat because you're actually showing some gratitude. So I'd say, Wow, I really appreciate you thinking about me. You know, you must value my work. So I would start with something like that. So you could say, you know, due to a lack of time and resources right now or I'm I'm spending more time with my kids. I've got a certain amount of time allotted for work and I already have more work than I can take on. So for right now I'm actually not taking on any unpaid work. So that right there you've declared the boundary. And then as a follow-up you could say But if you're interested, I could send you over my rates and uh, we could talk about, you know, doing a paid job together. So at that point, you know, if they really like your work, they might be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, send me every price list. And then that actually might turn into a paid job, you know, it it could be a win for you. Um, But, you know, more often than not, sometimes people are just trying to get free stuff or they're trying to take advantage of you and then they go away. And basically, that's good for you too. You don't have to do the free work. You didn't want to do it. Now you don't have to. So really, it's a win-win. The trick is just to say it in an assertive but kind way that sounds respectful. And so what do you do if somebody doesn't respect your boundaries? Let's say you have a toxic person in your life or a narcissist. You know, what is a narcissist? A narcissist is somebody... He's basically lacking empathy. I think that's one of my best definitions at this point. They're lacking empathy towards you and what you want. Basically, they want things, they know what they need, and they will kind of use you to get it. So a narcissist is always looking around at who can they use to get their stuff done or get their needs met or validate them. Oftentimes, narcissists, they sort of put out this self-image Um, that they need people to validate. That's called narcissistic supply. So if you put up a boundary, a narcissist is not going to like it. That is a telltale sign that somebody's a narcissist. If you say no to somebody, just a simple no, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Even if it's ridiculous and they freak out, you know, that's a red flag. So here's an example. Let's say your neighbor were to, you know, on a Saturday morning, you're outside, they're outside and, and they're like, hey, can you come over here and cut my grass? It really needs, you know, it really, my grass really needs to be cut and you know, I think you should come do it. You would look at them and you'd be like, uh, no, I'm not gonna come cut your grass, right? That's it, like an almost implied boundary. You're not expected to cut your neighbor's grass. What if it's a family member? Now all of a sudden it starts to get a little murky and people will start doing this work that shouldn't be done. for their family member, like all of a sudden, you know, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle calls you up and, you know, wants you to come over and cut their grass, you might actually go do it. And, you know, if there's a a real reason why they need help doing that, then maybe you actually do want to help. Like, let's say, you know, uh, your uncle's got a bad hip and he literally can't walk and he doesn't have anybody to help him, then whatever, Uh, you know, obviously you want to help your family members. But I've noticed with a narcissist, it's sort of like, They'll, they just don't feel like cutting their grass, so they'll call you over you know, just to see if you'll do it. And if you don't know how to say no, all of a sudden you're over there cutting their grass you know, while they're sitting inside watching Netflix. I have a person in my life like that, and it is literally ridiculous the things that this person can make other people do. It is, it's almost hilarious once you start to recognize it. Are you kidding me? They asked you to do that and you did it? I mean, it is ridiculous. So if somebody actually crosses your boundaries, it just goes back to step three. You have to communicate it. It's like, I'm sorry, I am not gonna come cut your grass. And you can say that in a creative way, but basically, that's what you need to say. Say it in a respectful way, be assertive. The narcissist might freak out. That's just what narcissists do though. So I mean, that's the tricky thing about narcissists is like, they want things from you. And when you don't do them, they might be upset, but you have to get to a place where you're okay with that. You can't just let people walk on you. And you know, hopefully that narcissist isn't in a a commanding place in your life. Like, you know, if you're married to one, that's a tricky situation. All right, so there's one more thing I wanna talk about with boundaries. So you've set up your boundary and you're feeling good because if somebody, you know, tries to cross it, now you tell them. And you communicate it clearly and they know where the boundary is and you hold that boundary. Great. But there's one other thing that I've kind of experienced with certain types of people. So if you're an empathetic person, as many INFJs are, watch out for people that kind of creep up on your boundaries and then creep through them. So it's not like a hard blast through the boundary, like uh, overt narcissists, that's what they'll do, just try to just bash through your boundaries. There's sort of more covert ways that people will do it. All right, so I'm gonna give an example from my own life. This is actually a true story. And this is sort of a way that somebody creeped through my boundaries. All right, so here I have this boundary that I'm not doing free videos for people anymore. I had done it a whole bunch. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I sort of need some sign of faith from somebody that they're willing to pay for my work, that they value it. Because I find that if you do free work for people, they don't value the work as much. It's almost like disposable to them. It didn't cost them anything. So I want people to value my work, therefore I'm charging money. So this guy that I know called me up and said, I've got this amazing opportunity. We can go and shoot this thing for Red Bull. So he was a producer in the past. He says he has some connections with Red Bull. So he also says he has connections with somebody who can lend us a red camera. And if you know anything about cinematography, a red camera, this this one was like a $50,000 camera. So here's somebody saying, hey, come shoot this video for free, but it's for Red Bull and you get to use a fifty thousand dollar camera. It'll be great for your portfolio or whatever, right? I'm like, okay, yes, okay, that that is one thing I will say yes to. So we agreed to meet the next week. So I show up to meet, and he's talking, and he was like, okay, well, I talked with a guy from Monster Energy, and blah, blah blah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, what do you mean Monster Energy? He's like, yeah, this this. Remember I said that um, we were doing, we could do a video for Monster Energy, and I, I'm like, no, 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 no. You said Red Bull. He's like, oh no, no, I didn't. I said Monster. I'm like, okay, nothing against Monster Energy, but it's not Red Bull. Red Bull has an amazing media production. I think they have their own production facility. Red Bull puts out great content. Um, Red Bull excited me. Monster Energy, eh, not so much. I mean, maybe. I'd have to know know what was being offered, but it's not Red Bull. So in my lack of boundary state, I just sort of kept going along with it. So then... We're talking like a week later again, and then now it turns out that the person who was, he was gonna get the red camera off, oh, he's not giving it to us anymore. So it's like, okay, so now we've gone from Red Bull with a red camera to Monster to whatever camera I already own. So then it actually actually kept going to the point where, no, Monster Energy is not involved in this. Um, It's my own camera, and I'm just shooting it for myself. So this was an excellent, way to illustrate it started off really awesome and it kind of slid and lost features until it was something that would have been across my boundary but at this point I've already kind of invested in the project, we've talked about it, we've planned it a little bit, we've talked about what we're gonna do and shoot and in the end I'm shooting it with my own camera just for this person and now this person is getting this video for free so that is to illustrate, you gotta watch out for people that creep across your boundaries. They might not, it's sort of like that analogy, you know, death by a thousand cuts. They might do that with your boundaries. It's like, you know, somebody takes a sword and like slashes you and it's like an obvious boundary crushing swoop of a sword. But, you know, death with a thousand cuts, all of a sudden, you know, you sort of start outside of your boundaries and then all of a sudden you've crossed them and now they're inside. All right, so in conclusion, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about INFJ specific stuff. And I think it is almost vitally important for INFJs to have good boundaries. So, like I said, I think we're susceptible to having our boundaries pushed because we want to help people. We have this extroverted feeling. Another thing is we have to make sure that we almost exercise and bolster our introverted intuition because that is the thing that allows us to spot manipulation, to spot people who are trying to cross our boundaries and almost you know, see the problems before they start. And just quickly, I kind of wanted to speak to how can you build up your introverted intuition as an INFJ? I really do think that the biggest thing is validation from a wise person. So as an example in my own life, I started going to go into a counselor about two years ago. And at the beginning, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, so this person is a you know registered therapist and it turns out she was an INFJ. Here's the biggest thing I've gotten out of therapy and it is validation. So as an INFJ, You might have a lot of ideas spinning around in your head, and a lot of them might be a little hard for a lot of people to grasp. One because they might be challenging, or you might look at things just so differently that a lot of people can't even wrap their heads around that. Or you might look at something very counterculturally, or let's say you, you know, you're in a certain industry, or you're really interested in something. and then all of a sudden, one day, you just realize the like disaster of this system and you kind of have rearranged it in your head and you know how to fix it. I found going to this counselor who was an INFJ, it's almost like she mirrored my intuition back to me and said, you know what, you're not crazy. That's a good thought that you just had. Another thing she often would tell me is that that is very true, but a lot of people might not understand it, but that doesn't mean That your intuition isn't correct. So I think getting a good therapist who can validate some of your ideas, but also call you out on things that you're wrong about. So that's important. You don't want just a people pleaser counselor who just validates you all day long. No, you want somebody who can point out things in your life, ways that you can improve, but also validates those things that need to be validated. It's going to give you some confidence. So another way you can build intuition is just to find a really good friend who can provide that same validation. I think that's really important, a really wise friend, somebody that you view as wise. Everybody has these sort of friends where they just don't seem to understand what you're talking about half the time. Um, that's fine. And a lot of times you might be helping them or trying to you know, educate them, but you need a person in your life that mirrors your intuition back to you. And I have maybe one maybe two people in my life that I could classify as that. And everybody else, you know, you can just get this sense that they're not really sure about you half the time, (laughs) to be honest. But anyway, I think that if you can develop and work on your introverted intuition as an INFJ, you can, it can really help your boundary setting. And it can help your confidence in holding those boundaries. And when you're dealing with manipulative people, it can be really hard because you can start to feel guilty. You're like, am I wrong? Like, am I wrong with this? And that's why it really helps to have somebody you can bounce ideas off. Because sometimes manipulative people, if we go into guilt or shame mode, all of a sudden we can fall for the guilt trips. And so the strong introverted intuition is, it's important because it will see that manipulation. And then if you have a friend or a therapist there who can also reinforce your intuition and validate you, I think that's really important if you have somebody that is continually crossing your boundaries. All right, so that's the end of the video. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Leave a comment and uh, I'll try to respond to it. Have a great day. Thanks.